Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, everyone. When looking back at 2020, it's hard to remember everything that happened. On one hand, it was a year of procrastination and reflection. With other words, our lives were put on hold. On a society level, though, it was so much that happened that it's hard to recall even bigger events and debates. One of the many storms on social media came from the arts sector, my sector, when we were told in September by the government that our jobs are not viable. If we were lucky, we managed to get another job to cover us during the pandemic. However, some people managed to stay within the creative sector, and today I'm speaking to Funcho, who managed to grow an impressive model career in 2020. Apart from discussing the problematic industry in terms of body image, we also talk about tokenism and if there's a correlation between her fast-growing career and the Black Lives Matter movement. We talk about holding companies accountable, but also the importance of representation for younger generations. Being vocal about representation is nothing new for Funcho. She shares my passion for art and activism, and we talk about her amazing collective at Dorado, London a community for black women and women of colour who practice any kind of art form. It's a safe space for them to share their work and you can find links to it in the show notes. The music you're about to hear is by the wonderful Tilda Alley. My name is Fanny Beckman and this is Women and My Generation. apologize because we're sitting in my bedroom this time actually and it's super hot but I live just by a train station so I kind of have to keep the door shut <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah we just had a photo shoot 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this for like a year now. So and yeah. now it's, yeah, I think because of COVID, only now are things starting to come to fruition that maybe were planned like a year ago. Yeah. So it's, it's really funny that way. That yeah. Works. Well, I'm super happy with the photos. Oh, I can't wait to see yeah. them. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible because we know each other a bit from Brighton. Mm. So I took photos of you back in like 2016 must have been because it was shortly yeah. after I moved to the UK. And I was in my second year of uni and I graduated two years ago now it's crazy so yeah well, I was probably like 19 or 20 wow. yeah and I'm 24 now so much has changed though I just like when I took photos of you today I could tell like there's a massive difference because you were a bit like insecure back then a bit shy yeah but obviously now you work as a model it's a completely different <laughs> how story. times have changed yeah. yeah i was even thinking that i was like i wonder what you're thinking like as i'm moving around because i remember that first shoot mm. i literally didn't know what i was doing i was like sat in the same pose for like five you know ten seconds and then mm. i'd move like, i was quite static <laughs> yeah. but Nice. But nice I mean, those photos are still on my website. Actually, oh. I'm super happy with it. Oh. <laughs> that that's good then. At yeah. least at my worst, I was still okay. <laughs> yeah, you had it even back then. <laughs> but it's funny. Obviously, I just mentioned that you work as a model, and it's quite recently that you started to do it. Mm. Um, and you know, obviously, I follow you on Instagram, and I see you have different shoots pretty much every day. So. Yeah. 2020 was a crazy year for all of us, but it turned out to be a quite good year for you. Yeah. Um, so how did it all start with like your model career? So before COVID, like, I was working in, I worked at, in a kitchen at a yoga studio. I worked at Lush um, and I do it part time while I get, you know, the odd modeling gig. It wouldn't be enough to, to pay for, for my living for the month. So I'd have those side jobs. Um, and then we went into lockdown. I literally didn't make anything. I think I made like 50 quid from sending a photo of myself in a face mask to a company. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I was living off my savings. And then I think because of Black Lives Matter, suddenly, out of nowhere, I was suddenly working like five days a week, sometimes six or seven, wow. just nonstop from June. When things started to open up, it was like boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Like, And I also think it wasn't just because of Black Lives Matter I also think that I had taken the time during lockdown to look into myself a little bit more to confront things that you know you suppress because you're living your every day and I think that I was in a better headspace and had more confidence in myself to put myself out there and to feel my best and I think that's also why I was getting the work um so yeah I I'm very very grateful that it's mm. it's all come um but that's how it, it it went really like it went from zero to 100 yeah um nothing really so did you happened. contact model agencies or how did that happen um well i was doing it freelance mm. uh for i would say from when i graduated uni that's when i was getting paid jobs oh, okay um before that it was like hobby you know you know when we shot together it was like um the guy i was dating at the time suggested I should be a model and I was like oh, I don't really want to be in that industry but I started to think oh well I'll get some photos my portfolio I don't mind being in front of the camera um and then it was yeah it was when I got to my final year of uni I started to get paid jobs with quite big brands like I think one of the first jobs I got was with Neutrogena wow yeah and it was off a Facebook group it was like a feminist Facebook group I don't think they have it anymore it got I think it was bossy 
something. Okay. Yeah, mm, I recognise them. So they, I think they've shut it down because uh, there was so much fighting and things on it. So they just oh, shut it down. So, such a yeah, shame. Because there were so many creatives on there. There mm. were photographers, models, actors, like all women just like collaborating with mm. each other. Um, or giving each other jobs or saying, oh, I've seen this job, uh, we want to look for someone in this industry. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, that was one of the first jobs I got and I got that freelance. And then I started to get other jobs freelance um, through Facebook groups, through word of mouth, uh, Instagram. And then in March, 2020 was when I took it all to an agency, which is my first agency. And I said, look, I've worked with all these um, brands. I've this is my portfolio. And they were just like, oh, well, you're already working, so we have no reason we shouldn't sign you. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that was the first time I got signed by an agency. It's funny as well because I'd been scouted since I was 16, 17. Okay. And I'd always be rejected because it was either that I was too big to be a straight size model mm-hmm. or too small to be a plus size model. Because mm. I was like a size 10 to 12 yeah, yeah. when I was, you know, 16, 17. Mm. So and, yeah, before we started recording, you kind of mentioned uh, that you have been, you know, told by other people, not by your agency, but you know, doing Fashion Week and all that, that you you're too big to do that kind of jobs. Mm. It sounds horrible. Yeah, yeah. I think I am grateful that I'm in the industry now because mm. if I was in the industry when I was that age, when I was sixteen, seventeen, like even up to twenty one, mm. I don't think I would have been able to to hold my own as much as I can do now because mm. you put things into perspective you realize that they're judging you on the surface and I know there's a lot more to me than just what I look like yeah of course and so yeah I'm very very grateful that I'm able to distinguish between um you know a surface comment of well we don't want to work with her mm. because of how I look mm. rather than oh we don't want to work with her because of who I am as a person yeah. But what do you say when you get a comment like that? You just have to laugh it off because, mm. again, like at the end of the day, you realise they don't know you. They just see you as, you know, what what they see straight away. And it is difficult, I think, in the industry as well. You get rejected so much. You get rejected 90% of the time, mm. um, 95 some, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you only see the 5% that I get. So mm. I might apply to loads of jobs do tons of castings and get like one Mm. but that's all that people see and they think oh wow like it must be so easy I'm like nope yeah you get rejected every single day and I think you understand that as a creative Mm. that you get judged on your your art yeah and yeah it sounds a bit weird like when you say oh I'm judged on my art as Mm. a model because Mm. you kind of are because I am my my parents' art yeah. in a way. <laughs> oh, so that's beautiful. yeah, they're getting, they're always getting their art's always getting judged. Um, <laughs> the way that I model things always getting judged. So yeah, it's um it's like things that you know you put your heart into, or there's more vulnerability there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you you build a tough skin. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I I I know what you're talking about. Like in terms of my art, like. Again, people only see what, the, you know, all the um, the yeses that I get, but, you know, the amount of emails that I send, uh, mm-hmm. most of them I don't even get a reply to, or, like, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll keep your details for the future. I'm like, yeah, sure. Literally. You just have to assume, okay, so they haven't replied and it's been a few weeks, so uh, I haven't got back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's how true. you find out. Mm. But. 
or just keep writing and writing and writing. Yeah, writing I have got that. like a little um, what's it called, the template that mm-hmm. I just like copy paste and then do some adjustments. Yeah, because I'm just like, okay, let me just bang this out. Just, yeah. just send them to so many people, and then you might get one back. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're lucky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh God, I know that feeling too well. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> But you mentioned a bit briefly now um, that you, you've you been thinking about if your model career took off because of Black Lives Matter. Mm. Is that th- something that you think a lot about, like in terms of um, the fashion industry or the beauty industry now? Or do you think that's an issue? Because um, I feel like it, it could go uh, either way. It's obviously it's a big issue with uh, tokenism and... Um, but then also it is really important with representation of various people. Mm. And I think it's just um, from where I'm sitting, I feel like it's the intention behind it. Is it just for commercial purposes that they know, that the brands know that this will sell? Mm. Or is it actually um, them rethinking and doing the work and understanding the importance of representation? So I would love to hear your opinion about this yeah well Well, I think we have very similar opinions on this I think that um yeah I'm in a few mindsets I think that it is the intention and mostly you know fundamentally the intention is to make money and so if you're going to think on a fundamental basis then no like it's not it's not looking out for the people it's thinking okay right now this is fashionable or right now people are trying you know starting to be aware of different races, ethnicities, genders, religions, sexualities, let's get that in our marketing because that will sell. Mm. Like before it was, oh, people want to aspire to be really slim and tall and have abs and all this stuff. Mm. And so that's what they would put in advertising. But now they realize, oh, that's not going to sell. So we have to do something that is more relatable. Mm. Um, So yeah, if I was going to say fundamentally, I think that no, the the intention can never be... um, can never be like so kind of ethical or so like, what's the word? Um, it can never be justified as, as having like good intention mm. when, they, um, when they do this. Especially the big corporate companies who, yeah, they might put a brown person in their advert or a black person, whatever. But then if you look at the root of where their product comes from, it's like there's child labor involved yeah, in like yeah. Africa or Asia or whatever. And so <laughs> that's the thing that it makes me laugh, mm. not in a, like, just in a way that you're like, how, how can we just watch that, see, oh, there's a brown person, we feel represented, but then if you root, go to the root of it, we're not really, mm-hmm. it, they're still suffering. Um, I do think, however, it does make an impact as, it, I think about it in a way that I will do what I can in my, my, my bubble, my sphere, what I can do. And if me being in an advert can, you know, a little girl can see that or whoever yeah. and go, oh, wow, like th- that looks like me or mm. like my hair looks like that or whatever, like something that means that they can relate to what they're yeah. seeing, then it means that they are given more confidence to to be in that world or to aspire to, to do what they want to do. Um, and I remember myself, I never saw anyone with my hair when mm. I was younger. Um, when I'd see people in adverts that were mixed race, they would always have straight hair, um, or you wouldn't even know they were mixed race because they would kind of like change them or make them look like very Eurocentric, very like more white. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I also think that 
there's an issue because yes, although I'm um, I'm in these adverts and I work in this world, it's like sometimes I'm the darkest person there. And mm. I, at the other day, I still am, I, I identify as black, but I still am mixed race. Mm. And so I still have that heritage that means that I'm in closer proximity to whiteness, um, which makes me more palatable. Mm. And also, like, I don't know if you've seen adverts recently, but mixed race girls are everywhere on adverts. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's crazy, like, um, how, how that's happened. And part of me thinks, yeah, I'm in fashion, but the other part of me thinks, well, you know, if they're gonna give me money for this, it's like, I'm consciously knowing that they're using me, but I'm also using them because I need to pay my bills. Yeah. And also, <laughs> if I get the money from this, then I can invest it and actually do what I want to do, which yeah. is exhibitions that help um, promote black um, black women and women of colour's art. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's my, um, my take on advertising at the moment. Mm. I love that you said that you you are using them just as much as they are using you. <laughs> um, but also thinking about like representation, I know you've spoken about this before. The uh, I'm thinking about the um, Sainsbury's Christmas ad mm. in December and um, how much comments it got, like a lot of negative comments, but also positive because people could finally relate. Uh, to that advert and you've spoken a lot about um, Black Lives Matter uh, when it um, kind of was reborn uh, last summer so you educate mainly white people I'd say um, on how to be better allies so for example what books to read I know you had a video about that Um, but then I'm also thinking that a lot of Uh, black people said it's not on us it's you you know there's all the resources out there black people have been allowed for centuries it's not our job to Mm. educate anymore um so what are your thoughts on that because you decided to actually create these educational videos yeah what made you do that i think that it is because of my close proximity to whiteness like half of my family are white like my mum's side are from liverpool um and there'll be certain comments and things that they would say and you know when I would go up north to see them but they wouldn't know because they've not been exposed to um you know black people as much perhaps or if they have then there's not been so many that they're they're questioned about their actions Mm. and I I almost sympathize with that because I realize that a lot of the time you are a product of your system Mm. of your product of your environment sorry Mm. Um, and so there is only so much you can learn um, within within your kind of your sphere um, you can google things yeah of course and I think in one of my videos I probably say you should google it uh, but I think at that point I was at this you know I was at the point where I was like I have the energy to explain these things and I also want to make this more accessible to people um and i know that people are more likely to watch me um because i'm a bit more relatable to them or in closer proximity to them Mm. um because i i know uh, there was another girl who was making um videos and she was darker skinned and it it felt like she wasn't getting as much traction really yeah just and i i could see that and it's like well 
she's putting this work in and mm. I know that she's not going to have as many people watching it because perhaps there, yeah, there are audiences that are more mm. open to seeing yeah. her but then there are also people who just haven't been exposed to that and <clears throat> it's a new world which is is weird to think because I'm from London and half my family are black as well and so it's like that's so weird that people don't just see you know a human speaking things it's what they're more comfortable with so yeah, yeah that's also one of the reasons why I started do you to... know this other girl I can't remember her her username no. I don't want to yeah no of course hmm yeah that it's just yeah again we are in this bubble um you know in London but then you do realize that it looks completely different elsewhere and um how many different opinions are out there unfortunately mm. but what kind of reactions did you get from your videos it was a lot of people thanking me mm. um for for doing them um there were like a few questions more questions that i got uh, some of them were a little bit tiring um so i did choose not to answer them it'd be mm. like in the dms um and so could you just explain with your own words what it is you're talking about, just to make sure that everyone is... Oh, okay, yeah, sure. So, um, as in um, what I spoke about in the videos. Yeah, because there was quite a few different ones. You had different yeah. topics in every video. Yeah, so in the videos that I did, it was quite, you know, simple ways to integrate um, Black Lives Matter into your everyday life and um, things that you should you know, you should uh, think about or you shouldn't say or um, like different videos on, uh, like I did one on the Sainsbury's advert that came out that there was a black family and there was uproar about that. So a lot of um, videos to do with, yeah, black people and how how we can understand um, the lived experiences of black people and just be better humans mm. um, and also I went at the angle of giving questions rather than uh, just telling you what you should do in some of mm, the videos mm. yeah it's just really because good. yeah I think that we underestimate um, not only do like ed people educating underestimate others intelligence but we underestimate our own intelligence and we feel like we should be spoon-fed information yeah but if you just ask the right questions and get someone to think about things, then most of the time they do come up with the right answers if they're open to it enough. Mm. So that's that's the angle that I went at. Yeah, definitely. It's so good that you had quite a lot of people who viewed it that normally wouldn't necessarily. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like that was your aim, just listen to you now that you wanted... Um, to educate those people and you spoke about your family in Liverpool and how, how you would talk to them maybe so having that in mind as well mm. I think that's super powerful um, but you also briefly man mentioned now your artist group and how you you know you, you both do um, videography and photography yourself but also mm. you you create this safe space for other uh, black women and women of colour uh, to exhibit their work so just tell us all about it please oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. so i have a platform called atarado which is a um, platform exit exhibiting um art by black women and women of color because i was looking at the statistics of uh, these women in art galleries and commercial art galleries as well and it was ridiculously small like mm. it um, it was really, really small and it wasn't even proportional to the population, which was really concerning to me. I think it was like in American ga galleries, it was like um, 
hardly any women mm-hmm. and the percentage that were of color it was like asian like east asian mm-hmm. so yeah i was like this is a problem yeah and i want to try and solve it in any way that i can uh the thing with the art world is there is uh, there are definitely gatekeepers mm. i find that because of it's quite elite mm. um and yeah, it's very hard to get in, yeah. yeah. So that's why I created Atarodo because I wanted to just have a platform where I make it and I run it, and it just means there's a space where if you've never done an exhibition before or you just want to have your art seen for for what it is, because I find that often if there is like a you know token black artist or brown artist in in an art gallery space automatically their work is is feminist or Mm. it's um you know about their race um but yeah those things are definitely integrated in naturally because Mm. they've made the art but i just wanted it to be like okay so all these women are from you know minority backgrounds and all these women are women Mm. like now you can look at the art knowing that but now try and look at other things within the art maybe they wanted to show you something else yeah so Definitely. This made me also think about, like, I listened to a podcast the other day, um, Great Women Artists, um, with uh, Gorilla Girls. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, there was, like, the two, um, two, two of the founders were there, and they've been doing it for, like, 35 years. Mm. And, you know, also questioning, especially in America, uh, the representation of both women and women of colour. Mm. And it is, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Mm. Um, and I, I really admire you for you know identifying the problem how difficult it is to get into exhibitions but instead of just being you know um, negative about it or not really knowing how what to do next you actually created this space yourself mm-hmm. which is really cool and you, you did manage to have an exhibition and you I mean you're probably planning to have more I assume yes I mean I've been stopped a few times because of covid mm. um but yeah I had my first exhibition back at the beginning of 2020 in January mm-hmm. and I remember when I um went to get the space she was like oh well um we'll give you this space for a discount because January the first week usually people don't want to go out and uh. they're you know they're tired because they've been celebrating Christmas and New Year mm. and I think that's one of the most packed she's ever seen that place really it was jam-packed people were standing at the door like it was probably one of the best nights of my life so and cool yeah I'm so 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 grateful um, that that was the reception for the first mm. one and so it makes me very confident for the next ones yeah. when they do happen but yeah um, how COVID many artists me. were there there were 13 I think wow. um, and then we had 12 performers it was either yeah I think 13 and 12 there were 25 artists in mm-hmm. general so there were uh, we had comedians uh, poets singers um, and then we had the art on the walls photographers and I just put yeah, put that on the walls and then had a night where we had performances mm. as well from those women too. That's so cool. So, If there are anyone listening to this now how, if, and they want to get involved, mm. how can they reach out to you? So um, if you want to get involved with Atarodo, you can email. So hello at atarodolondon.com or um, DM on Instagram, we've got uh, atarodolondon. Uh, at the moment, I'm currently in the uh, planning stages of trying to get an exhibition uh, okay. going. 
um, might collaborate with someone else um, who I think that that would really help too. Um, but if you even want your work to be featured on our page, because mm. that's something that I need to get back into is the social media, because <laughs> I find that the modelling has taken over um, as the full-time work, and so I found it really difficult to uh, keep up with putting stuff on Atarada, but that's always been the passion. But yeah, my social media um, <laughs> is a little bit slow, so it would actually help me if mm. uh, I was to get more emails like, can I just put this on your page? I'd be yeah. like, please. <laughs> please do <laughs> so that is how you can get involved perfect i put uh, a link in the show notes as well amazing because uh, I, I yeah I, I really it's something that i've been thinking about quite a lot recently you know the um the power in collaborating with other mm. people because yeah. as an artist you can get really lonely as well and i just personally feel like if you have more people involved you get new perspectives and new ideas and you will just create even better things together oh, for sure and i think that you all fuel each other and you uplift each other because you know where you're coming from mm. um, whereas if it's like you alone and you're facing like you know maybe a big company or something it's not going to have that same effect mm. whereas yeah it, it does create that community yeah definitely but in terms of your own artwork do you have anything you're working on right now uh, <laughs> <laughs> i had this question asked to me at my first exhibition they were like oh you do photography why don't you post put something mm. on the walls and i was like i don't want to put my own stuff on a, a, a exhibition that i'm curating because then i feel like oh, either, you know, I'll put something on the space in the wall and they'll be like, oh, she put it in the best space. Or like, uh, okay. I could put my thing on the floor and they'd be like, well, she's done that because uh, it stands out on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I feel like I just, I wanted to concentrate on the curation and mm-hmm. um, not take uh, anything away from the artist. Yeah. Uh, in terms of photography, though, that's something as well that I really want to get back into. I, mm. I started um, a project back, uh, when was it? I think it was in my final year of university. And it was the post-colonial subject, and I photographed my dad first, and um, then I just didn't continue it. Mm. And um, I think it was when my camera lenses got stolen, yeah. I kind of felt very like disconnected from photography, and I was like, oh, like I have to buy all these lenses again, mm. and uh, so that put me off a bit. Um, but I really do want to get back into it and mm. uh, show. Yeah, show the world that I have another another aspect of my creative yeah, of possibility. Course. I think that sounds like a really interesting project because you know the projects that are really personal. That's mm. the, you know the most emotional, I think. Mm. And I tried that last year. Actually, I took photos of my mum for the first time, and it does something with the dynamic when you mm. take photos of your parents. Yeah. Um, so I, you know. Uh, not just the end result, but I think for you as well, it must be really interesting, you know, the process itself to to take those photos. Oh, for sure, yeah. And you, you kind of put your... I put my dad in a different light mm. as well. And, yeah, seeing him as his art is really, yeah, really interesting. I'd love to continue the, the project, definitely. It was How long ago has it been now? It's been a while. <laughs> I'll get back on it. Yeah. I mean, you did... A post on social media the other day exactly what you said now that you want to show uh, other sides of yourself not just a model mm. career and I think a lot of people would be interested in that as well yeah I think I, I definitely got lost in my work over the past uh, probably nearly a year I'd mm. say I look back at myself during 
the first lockdown and during June, July, like those summers. And I saw someone who was a lot more open and um, showed more aspects of their life. And I just want to get back to that because it feels more authentic to me. And I understand like you're posting things on social media. It's always going to be for others to see. Mm. Um, And so there's always an element of showing you the best parts of my life, which, yeah, I I will, because Mm. that's what I want to do. Yeah. But... Yeah, I just want to be more, uh, it sounds weird, but accessible. Because mm-hmm. I find that I've had uh, messages from people and it's felt like I'm like a celebrity in a way, which has been very strange for me. Yeah. Um, because I don't see myself on any pedestal mm. at all. Mm. Um, I just think that my circumstances combined with my my drive and my effort have meant that I'm able to to be in the place that I am today Mm. Um, but it's not without the you know the lows and the um, the things that aren't so modelly too Mm. Mm. I am yeah going back to the post that you wrote about you know um, changing things up a bit on your social media I really liked that you were so honest about yeah this is just me uh, you know, on, out shopping or whatever, but of course I chose the best photo myself, of that. <laughs> and that's so true. It feels like that explains the the world we're living in right now. Because sometimes I, I feel like that myself that I never put out on social media if I'm struggling or, you know, what we talked about earlier that I I never write about the notes I get from different companies. Mm. Um, but it it is really valuable because when I see other people do that, it means a lot. Yeah. To, to have someone saying that as well so I think I need to get better at that as well and be more authentic it takes say. a lot yeah. yeah I think that there are more people showing those sides of themselves um, it's still always going to have some element of, of tailoring of curation because you'll only share what you want to share um, but it does make it a little bit more realistic mm-hmm. it's like I, I do go on Instagram and I I like to go on it to, to see people being happy and everything. Um, but I don't want people to also forget that everyone's human. And mm. like, we can have that in the back of our head and know that, oh yeah, everyone's human. They probably have bad sides to their life and things like that. But if you're just seeing the good stuff, sometimes you forget yeah. that there's also the not so good stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I sit here and I'm thinking, I mean, you did mention it a bit in the beginning that you've actually you worked a lot on yourself in the beginning of the lockdown and it feels like you're a very confident person. And obviously women of my generation is a lot about women talking about their body image, but also how can we prevent the younger generations from struggling with their self-esteem or people our age who are still struggling. Do you have any advice on Mm. how to improve your relationship with your body? I would say uh, one, don't get into a relationship until you have a healthy relationship with your body because you could potentially um, rely on the other person to affirm you or you might also, the opposite might happen where they might make comments on you and how you look and because they make those comments and judgments you are, you're not able to see yourself in a great way like if they say negative things you're going to be like oh well yeah maybe my body is like this Mm. um I also think that it's important like for 
for us, I know that it's, it's difficult, but for people who do have that kind of body confidence to, to just post or to just be themselves and to, to see, to have other people see themselves just, just doing that and like you know, posting things that don't have filters on them and um, just, just little things like that make differences. If, if you see someone and they don't have like tons of makeup on and they're just themselves, it can also encourage you to be like, oh, well, I can look beautiful just without having anything on too. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't mean yeah. like you makeup is bad, you know, it can enhance things yeah, that course. you like and mm. you can be super creative, but like it, it depends on the reasons that you use it as mm. well. Yeah. Like Yeah, hundred percent. We're just way too harsh on ourselves. We will never talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves sometimes. Yeah. Like that's another thing that leads me on to another point is like speak to yourself like you're your friend and not your enemy. Mm. Like if you have uh, just say that you were your best friend. Like, if you saw it on the outside, like, how would you speak to your best friend? You wouldn't say, oh, like, you've got so many rolls here or you need a, a toned stomach. <laughs> Imagine. Or, yeah, like... <laughs> Cut them out of your life completely. Literally, yeah. yeah. And so imagine you're then saying that to yourself. That's not... No, that's mm, not right. No. So I think, yeah, see yourself as your best friend rather than, like, your worst enemy. Definitely. I think that's a wonderful way to end this conversation. Yeah. So thank you so much for taking part. I really enjoyed hearing all your different opinions and your perspective on everything. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, as thank well. you. My pleasure. <laughs>